But if you'll stand with me for the reading of God's Word, I'm taking a verse from the book of Romans. Um, This is part nine in our fall, which now become winter sermon series on Ruth. And this is workings part two. You know, with each point of this message, we took one word like kinsman and hope and different things like that. And this workings, when you look at the life of Ruth, and before we read our one verse, just let me give you this introduction. Um, and if you study the book of Ruth, there's so many types and shadows of the, God's plan of salvation. You know, Naomi and her husband uh, had to leave uh, through their unbelief or rebellion to go to Moab, which was not allowed because Ruth was in Moab. And Ruth's paganism had to meet with their Judaism. And then they were joined together. And then the sons died and they heard there was bread back at the house of bread. They come this way. And you see all of these pieces in place. And then we talked about Ruth and Naomi. She woke up and said, I'm just going to go find a field in whose sight I find mercy. And she just happened to be, just happened to find the field of Boaz. And all these things were put together. And then later on in Ruth, we're going to find out that uh, Boaz uh, marries Ruth and becomes, uh, you know, Ruth becomes the great, great, great grandmother of King David. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful story. And so if you're coming in and this is your only one, you have to go back and listen to the others to get this full flow of what we're sharing but I want to speak to you, uh, this text, Romans eight twenty eight. if you have your Bibles, so familiar a passage, but not believed. Familiar, but not applied. Familiar, but not second nature. Familiar, but not foundational. It says, and we know, mark this down in your Bible. I got I to gotta milk it because it's one verse, you know. And we know. Not us processing, not praying about, not waiting to see. We know that all things, not some things, not most things, not the easy things, not the visible things only, not the hidden things only. All things work. They're in process. They're working, working. That thing is working with this thing from this thing toward that thing. They're all working together. All things work together for good. It didn't say that all things are good. It said they work together. And by the time God is done weaving the tapestry of your life and you stand before him, you're going to say, God was good to me. All things work together for good to those that love God. Not gifted people necessarily. Some people that love God are gifted, but it doesn't say it. It that those that love God and are called according to his purpose, who are submitted to his purpose. God is working. One of my foundational mantras, if you will, one of the things that's uh, core to my belief. I've said it to myself hundreds of times as a believer, not just pastor, believer. God has a plan. God is working the plan and God will finish the plan. Do you hear me? Y'all can talk to me this morning. It'll be all right. God has a plan. God is working the plan. And God will finish the plan. Would you pray for me as I pray for myself this morning that God would anoint me with his spirit. Father, I just stand before you today and I humble myself. You know the deal. You know how unable and ill-equipped I am to work anything towards your eternal purposes without the anointing of your Holy Spirit.
I ask you to give me clarity of thought, clarity of speech. Allow me to preach with the tongue of a ready writer. And let, me, let my words be like arrows that go deep into the heart of men and like water that finds the lowest part of our soul. And let us be changed. Let us find illumination and revelation by your word. Let it break the rock of our heart by the hammer of its power and strength. Let it comfort, encourage, convict. But let us, Lord, receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to deliver us. And I thank you in advance for these things, for the glory of your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Two weeks ago, I shared with you that God's workings were part of a divine plan, are part of a divine plan. All of his things connected in your life are part of a divine plan, both personal and corporate. Intentional. God is intentional, not reactive. He's proactive. These workings are systematic. They're intricate, continuous, recalculating, forceful, and unstoppable. These workings are according to perfect knowledge. Perfect foreknowledge, perfectly current, perfectly efficient, perfectly preserved, and perfectly sovereign. And these workings are all interconnected with other divine works. Previous works, future works, simultaneous works, dependent and independent. God is working his plan. If God knows the plans he has for you, those plans must exist. It doesn't mean that everything that happens to us the good and the evil, was commanded by God. Because evil does not begin with him. But only God can take the evil and weave it in. Do you remember I told you about the rug, the fabric? Weave it in to his intentions and purposes for your life. And I, I don't know who this is for this morning. Let me tell you something. God's plans and purposes for your life are not connected to, are not dependent upon anyone that you are connected to. If they walk out, the plans don't change. If they die, the plans don't change. His plans are contingent upon his faithfulness and his faithfulness alone. All right, number four, workings two. God's workings are often hidden. They're often hidden. Kind of like the, the, the woman that's pregnant with the child. You can't see the child, but you can see the product of the workings. Put your hand on that mama's belly and feel it kick. I can feel the workings of God in my life. I can sense them, not like, like in the natural, you can see with your eyes the, the, the swollen stomach of the woman, which is evidence of the child inside. But in the spirit, it falls under this verse, 1 Corinthians 2. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared, plans for them which love him, but God reveals them unto us by his spirit, because the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. They are at times revealed in procession, but most of his workings are hidden until the child is born. I can't tell you how many times in my life of God's faithfulness, I go, oh, this is what you were birthing inside of me. This is what you were doing. This is why I was so uncomfortable. This is why my 
appetite changed. And this is why my sleep patterns changed. I was growing life inside of me. This thing born was born of the Spirit in me, Lord. This is your workings. And it's wonderful in my sight. You've got to be okay with the workings of God and their details being hidden from you until the appropriate time. So this is why a lady named Kelly McQuarrie was in a room for several years praying for my wife to come home. So this is why we knew a lady named Gail who knew a lady named Cindy who knew a lady we never met that was going to provide Two little girls for our life. This, oh God, we might not have seen it happening, but we could feel it kicking. Do you know what I'm talking about this morning in your prayer life? God, I feel you. You can't prove it. God, I feel you. I feel that you're working. And you don't, listen, only the immature demand evidence. Lord, you had to prove yourself to me. You've proven yourself since the beginning of time. It's just enough to feel the kick of the spirit in my womb. I know you have this. Have you ever prayed about something that was so large and so overwhelming or so heavy and all of a sudden the Lord just whispers to you, I got this. And it, you're, I'm good. I'm good. These workings are hidden from the unbelieving from the adversary and spiritual opposition. 1 Corinthians 2 tells us that this hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, none of the princes of the world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Know this, the devil is not in tune with all that what God's doing in your life. He can see some external things. Don't you think the creator knows how to hide stuff? He may know something is marked for you. He may know that God has something or is doing something, but he is no match for my creator. The God that saved me and rescued me and birthed me and is going to bring me home is going to fulfill the plans he has for my life. The devil tries to look into it, but he is limited like us to seeing because he has not the spirit of God. Did you catch that? Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard. But it enters our heart through the Spirit. So he has no, I may know something's up. But he, he can't stop what he doesn't know. Isn't that good? They're often hidden because of immaturity or dullness of spirit. Jesus said in Luke 24, Why be foolish and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken? Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. He said, why are you so slow to believe and dull of heart? God's workings are often hidden because our spirit is not sharp. It's not alive. It's not in tune. We live, y'all remember the radio dial? Well, you can even do it digital. We'll do whichever generation you're from. You can have the dial or you can have the digital. If you're trying to tune into 100.1 and you're just off to 100.3, you, you can't hear what's on 100.1. This is some of our problem. We live on a world's frequency all week and say God's not talking. But if we're not dull of spirit, 
will hear the signal. He might just come in a whisper. But if I'm tuned in, I can hear what the person right beside me can't hear because they're one click off. They're often hidden. God's workings are often hidden by design. Disguised as something natural or mundane. Disguised as something inconsequential or that has no obvious connection. Disguised in how it's working, where it's working, when it's working, and by who it is working. God's design are disguised as something completely contrary to what it's perceived to be. God's workings are often hidden for our own benefit. What? Because we're dumb sheep. This is what we are. We're the sheep of his pasture. That's about as dumb as it gets. If you know it, just go Google some sheep. Tell me about sheep. How dumb are sheep? Do that. I haven't done it, but Google it. It'll tell you. God keeps things from us. Some of the workings to protect us because if we had the information he had without the complete information, we would miss his best for us because we would change. Well, why would you say that? I'm glad you asked. Let me give you a biblical example. God led the Israelites not through the land of the Philistines, although that was near. You ever had God, okay, from A to, what's the quickest way from A to B? Straight line. God says, okay, here we are, Canaan, land of the Philistines. Uh, let's go this long way around. And we're going, but God, we're supposed to be, we're supposed to go, God, we're supposed to be going here. What's he hiding? He's hiding his workings because if he took you the shortest path, the natural path, the obvious path, the easy path, wait a minute, the convenient path, he knew that you would have saw war turned back and went to your bondage. The things he hides from me not just are hidden because of dullness of spirit, but they are for my own good. If I needed to know, I'd know. Need no basis. If you needed to know, you would know. And if he told us all the reasons why he hid stuff, we'd probably get discouraged. John, you're just about smart as a plate, buddy, or a freshwater trout. I can't help you, mate. You're trying to get there. Are often hidden. These workings are often hidden to stretch us and mature us. You were made ready for what you face today by what you went through yesterday. These workings prompt you and push you. The reason you have to use heavier weight in your life and so you can handle the heavier weight that's coming next year. These workings. You, you, if you walk closely with Christ, you could carry a sign around your neck every day that says, pardon my progress. Sheet rock all broken up, ceilings knocked down. If you're all in order and polished and shiny, I'm going, mm-hmm. You ain't living near the potter. He's steady. Break. I'll get something built and I go, you know, I'm just, look, Lord. He goes, mm-hmm. Kick that over. That's not any good. That wasn't according to plan. That wasn't according to time because the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. He's always moving things around. These works are often hidden to prove us and to equip us. Do you know the workings, the sufferings, the stretchings, the pruning, the purging, the pressure? It's to prepare you for tomorrow. Let me give you an example. 
when the Israelites went through the Red Sea. I just, I just can't imagine. I, that's just... When that sea backed up on itself into columns. And you know there were little boys. Y'all with kids. And these boys are different than girls. Did y'all know that? Nobody told me that. I just, my little girls were just sweet. These boys are different. You know they were running along the side with a stick in the water. And Mama's like, get away from that. Get away from that wall. Like... If God wanted to kill us, mama, we'd be dead. You know, there's, there's men up there throwing a Rapala through there on the side, you know. When you pass through a Red Sea experience where the impossible happens in an impossible way with impossible results and it swallows up all of your enemies and you come out on the other side, listen, listen to your pastor. Swollen Jordan rivers don't scare you no more. Do you hear me? Pastor John, where, where, does, where does that confidence come from? Look at these white hairs, baby. Look at the wet. You see those weather? People say, I just, I just want to look younger. I just don't want to look older than I am. That's all. You look 58. Thank you. Thank you. I have, I have lived through unspeakable sorrow. I could not articulate the disappointment. And the, the disillusionment. And the, I, don't, I don't have anything in common with somebody that's not buried something. Or not lost something. I, they have a naive and an optimism that's based on inexperience. But when you've lived through, come through, survived, and danced on the other side of death. And they go, the river's swollen, the river's swollen. Really? Really? Jordan, Jordan's overflowing its banks. I saw the sea stand up on its side. And we walked through on dry ground. Do you know if you moved the water out of the way, it'd be months before the ground was dry. And not only did he part it, he dried it. And I walked through on the other side. And then he killed me. I, I'm not worried. See, what happens with these workings is not just prosperity and new cars and new houses. It's a new way of living. It's a new mind, a transformed mind that said, I, I've learned that if he can handle a sea, what's a swollen river? Y'all probably heard this story before. There was, there was a, a shouting church. See, some of y'all, y'all think it's loud in here. It's not loud in here at all, at all. She's part of a shouting church, though. And she visited a formal church. Started at 11 o'clock sharp, ended at 12 o'clock dull. No problem. Everybody's good. And they preached on, uh, or the preacher was talking about uh, Moses and the Israelites and the parting of the Red Sea. But it wasn't the Red Sea, it was the Reed Sea. And the Reed Sea was located so-and-so miles off of some city. And it wasn't where we, the Bible had originally taught, but it, it was a place distant from, and at a time of harvest or something, the water would recede back usually, and it would go down to uh, four inches or six inches of water, and that's how the Israelites were able to cross. So this is formal, Johnny Formal, you know, Johnny flowing robe, had a Ric Flair robe on. He's standing, you know, got his little scepter and a fish hat and all that stuff, and he's, you know, talking. And he said, and it, this, the water wasn't, for it to stand up, it was just three or four inches. And this lady that was from a shouting church, she goes, oh, oh, and, you know, the ushers were on duty. They walked up to her, man, you guys, oh, my 
God. Stop. No, ma'am, you got to come. Oh, I knew you was great, but I didn't know you could drown all those Egyptians in four inches of water. Oh, God. That wasn't in my notes. Just a true story. Just, just thought it'd be a blessing to you. Pastor John, why has it had to be so hard? Why does the hell in my life have to be so hot? Why did the grave have to be so deep? And why did the darkness have to be so thick? So you could get past fear. The devil's coming, let him come. The, the, the Egyptians are coming, let them come. If God can't handle it, it ain't going to get handled. And that peace of mind, people outside the church would write a check for millions of dollars to buy that and they can't get it. But you can get it through revelation and experience. Number five, God's workings can be very hard and difficult. Hard to perceive through blurry eyes, tired eyes, or damaged eyes. Hard to accept. Have you ever lived here? I know we have. It's not what I thought. It's not what I hoped. It's not what I dreamt. And it's not what I anticipated. God's workings can be hard to endure. The pain of it. The sorrow of it. The cost of it. And the length of it. God's workings can be hard to find the good in. You know, we, as Christians, we don't find the good in the thing. We find the good in the outworking. And it's hard to see good when it's all sorrow. Or I'm sorry to tell you this, but it's my experience. It is the darkness of the night before that weaves the most beautiful colors in the morning. See, y'all hear me talk about my babies. And y'all, oh, that's cute. No, no. This is a sterile man telling you about his babies. You see what I'm saying? You can't have any. God says, I'll bring you three. I never made a phone call. We never made a phone call. We never made. How many of y'all never made a phone call and got given children? You see what I'm saying? He takes the greatest insufficiencies of your life to show his greatest glory. Why the dark threads? For the beauty of the morning. For the beauty of the morning. God's workings can be hard to explain. Don't try to explain to carnal people spiritual realities. They're going to give you that Olin Mills look. When you get done, they're just going to go, you know. God's workings can be hard to piece together with previous workings and connect to present promises. Most of it, you know after the fact. You go, oh, that's what... That's why I met this person. That's why Michael came to our church in 95 and then went to Berwick later. And I met a friend of mine, Pastor Al Robbins, who became a lifelong friend. Mike had to go to Berwick for me to meet Al. And then he come right back. Oh, okay. It's all connected. If, if you will go home and pray over this phrase, it's all connected. How can you say that? Because your steps are ordered. Ordered. Not suggested. Ordered. 
and God's workings can be hard to see through till the end. If overcoming was easy, there'd be more overcomers. Don't bail during the working. You gotta wait till the end. He that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Number six, hurrying along. God's workings are always for our eternal good. Always. Always. God's workings are not always for our temporal good. And well, technically it is, but what we view as temporal good would be comfort, ease, pleasure, convenience. No. But everything in your life, everything in your life, God's hands are on it, weaving it into your eternal good. I have to believe that. I can't just believe that the devil's running roughshod in my life and has access to everything and just running over everything and God gets the scraps and is going to do something and do some magic one day. No. God is orchestrating it all, in all, through all, for all, for his glory. For his, good, for his, for his glory, my good, always. He works in our blessings. He works in our chastisement. And our discipline. His word teaches us. He said, if I didn't chastise you, you'd be illegitimate. You'd be a bastard child. This is the evidence that you are mine when I discipline you. Recently, the Lord showed me something that was in my heart that I, was, that I had done. And he showed me a loss that I incurred. And I'm just, it's, it's embarrassing, but if it'll help you, I don't mind sharing the things with you. You know, we're journeying together. And... It was like a $5,000 loss for me. And I felt the Lord showed me. He said, I did that to get your attention. I did that to get your attention. John, I'm not care I don't care about your bottom line today. I care about your heart. I care. And he'll, he'll, he'll break your, bust your balloons. He'll, you know, turn over your table. How do, you, how do you fit Jesus cleansing the temple out in the New Testament with the modern day Jesus that's preached? God is amazed with you. Jesus wrapped pieces of leather together and went through his house. And he said, you've made my house a den of thieves. But you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You don't think he won't run through your life with a whip? That's why some of your relationships, you tried to hold them together and they just didn't work. Why? Because Jesus whipped them out of your life. Moved them on. He works in our chastisement. He works in our pruning. He works in our purging. He works in breaking us and in brokenness. His works are always bringing us, listen, his workings are always bringing us unto himself, drawing us closer, weaning us off of this world, and conforming us to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. I want to say that again. The workings of God in your life are always bringing us unto himself. They're always drawing us closer to him. That's how you know they're his workings. If they're weaning you off of this world, they are his workings. And conforming you to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. God describes himself as a potter. And he puts us on the wheel. And that's what he's doing in our life. Josh, can you turn these lights down for me just a moment? Brian's going to cue this video. This was from, oh, great day, 11 years ago. If you'll turn these stage lights down for me. 
God said, I am the potter, you are the clay. I own the house that the clay is in. I own all of the clay. And you are in my hands. And I'm working a work in your life. I'm not passive. I am aggressive. I am purposed and I am intentional. I know the ingredients I have and I have the skill to do with you anything I want to do. And broken and shattered lives are my specialty. The wheel, life. God continues to use life to spin control away from you. And if you don't perceive that life is the wheel, you will live confused, eventually getting bitter at God, saying, what are you doing? It's, it seems like I'm just going round and round. I'm not, no progress. This doesn't make sense. To clay, it doesn't make sense. But to the potter, he knows exactly what he's doing, what speed is necessary, because he has the end in mind. the wheel in the beginning the potter will start slowly and then move on to a faster speed some of you that are being stretched beyond your limits today I promise you God knows what he's doing he won't take you too far too fast he's gentle he knows what he's doing he's the master some of us were raised in a church where if you just went down front and the pastor put his hand on you threw some water on you it made some enchantment over you it doesn't work that way it works on a wheel it works on a wheel it works with pressure and speed and pulling and water and the hands of God God said I am the potter you are the clay I own the house that the clay is in I own all of the clay and you are in my hands And I'm working a work in your life. I'm not passive. I am aggressive. I am purposed and I am intentional. I know the ingredients I have and I have the skill to do with you anything I want to do. And broken and shattered lives are my specialty. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God's workings work. Always. Always. They work for everyone who is in Christ, who loves God and called according to his purpose. They work, God's works, God's workings work in every season in every situation with every variable present and missing they work according to his divine plan perpetuated by his divine power overseen by his divine care and fulfilled by his divine decree one of my most common prayers I ask the Lord I said speak over my life speak over me O Lord what you want me to say whatever you want to say because if God speaks over you it is he speak not don't let the church deceive you don't let these false teachers on the internet and television tell you that you have creative power no you don't you don't speak the things that are not as though they are and they become by your decree you're not God but he can he can speak over my life oh Lord 
these works, this work, his workings work in the poorhouse and they work in the penthouse. They work in sickness and they work in health. Whether rich or poor, in season or out of season, in better and worse, in strength and weakness, God has a plan. God is working the plan and God will finish the plan. They work not because you are good, but because he is good. Not because you see clearly, but because he sees perfectly. Not because you have some control, but because he has absolute control. Not because you are full of faith, but because he is faithful. They work because God is too wise to make a mistake, too powerful to be hindered, too loving to be unkind, and too righteous to be anything but true to his word and character. They work together. They work for good. They work always, all the time. Ruth's paganism had to meet with Naomi's Judaism. Ruth's loss had to meet up with Boaz's longing. She had to come back to the house of bread. She had to get a hunger for Judaism. That's, see, even in Naomi and her husband's rebellion or, you know, they're not supposed to go to Moab, but even in their wrong decisions, Judaism found Ruth in her paganism, created a thirst in, a thirst in her, for her to say, your people will be my people. Your God's going to be my God. May death or worse happen to me if I, if I do anything else but keep that promise to you. So she goes back to then experience the kinsman. And she just happens to go into the field and meet Boaz, who will happen to be her husband, who would happen to be the great-grandparents of King David, who happen to be the great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents of Jesus Christ. It's all connected. Jesus even said it. He said, as Jonah went down into the belly of the fish for three days, he had to go down when he went down and he had to come up when he come up because nothing just happened. Three days, three days. Oh, Jonah, Jesus. Oh, when Abraham got ready to pull the knife up, almost done this morning to kill his son and an angel spoke from heaven stop there just ha just happened to be a ram caught in a thicket so while he's walking up with his son God's cueing the ram three two one go he's going up the hill he just bend over get that piece of whatever you eat out of the bush and he gets hung up in there and God goes look at what just Do you see how much freedom is in that phrase? When you can live your life and go, God, what are you doing? What? I can feel it. I, I know this, that if it's in me, I'll soon hold it outside of me. And I'll say, great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. God's got you. What's going to happen in this next year? Only God knows. Hey, they said there'd be a basket. You know, some of y'all get that. You know, it's all going to. They said there'd be a basket. I'm waiting on the basket. So, Pastor John, are you being flippant? Absolutely not. I'm vocal, I'm active, but God has a plan. And it all culminates in this the church being brought unto himself. 
Christ returning, his foot hitting the Mount of Olives, it splitting in half, him conquering his enemies, and reigning for a thousand years. That's, that's how it ends. God's got you. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I'm not going to ask you to come to the front this morning. I've already asked some that were worshiping from broken places this morning, helpless places. But for the troubled or the confused this morning, and you felt like this was a word for you, I want you just to slip your hand up for God to see it and say, I hear you this morning. Just hold it up. Do you know he recognizes the inside of your hand? I formed that in your mama's womb. I, I got you. I got you here. I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. Stand still and see the salvation of your God. He's putting people, he's connecting people you don't even know that your son or daughter has met. He's working things around. He's putting books in their hands, songs on the radio. He's working, he's working, he's working, he's working. Opening doors that no man can open, closing doors that no man can close. He's working, he's working, he's working. He's the potter. And this... It's not a visualization technique. I'm just asking you to imagine this. Imagine yourself as a lump of clay on a potter's wheel. And imagine the thumb of God pushing through the side wall of all of your comfort and your plans and the pain that that causes. And I want you to see that the hands that are pushing through the clay have holes in them. He said, I got you. I got you. You're good. Would you stand with us this morning? Pastor Wade, would you come? Can't help but thinking back to Isaiah 40. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the earth, the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Lord, we thank you for your word today, your word that strengthens us, that encourages us, that lifts us up, that sustains us, that restores us, that renews us, that rebuilds us. God, we thank you for your steady hand, your steady hand that has not missed a beat, the hand that places every star in the sky, the hand that paints the sunrise, the hand that pours out the oceans, stores up the snow, the hand that feeds the lion and the one that feeds the deer. That hand holds us today. We rest in that knowing that you are our provider, that you are our way. So we thank you, Lord, for your word. God, let us walk in the strength of that. God, let us not grow weary. 
but let us stand strong for the day that is ahead of us, Lord, that we might be found faithful and true unto you. Now send us forth today in your word, in your might, in your strength, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. Thank you. Be blessed today. Merry Christmas. And if you brought a, um, a gift for the Brooks, there's a table up in the foyer. You'll see it.